have your Westover app, I invite you to join me. If you have your Bible, join me in the book of Psalms, chapter 71. We're in a series entitled, Again. And each of us, God has an again for us. There's something that God called us to do or God's asked us to do, and perhaps we haven't fulfilled that. We haven't stayed on the pathway, and God's saying, get up, go on again. If you're saying, I can't, I won't, I'm discouraged, I'm giving up, it won't happen, no more, it's, I'm at the end of my rope, you've lost, you're again. And I invite you to rediscover you're again. You are here, but for every one of us, there is a there God intends. You're here, but God has a there for you. In the garden, when Adam and Eve were there after they had sinned, God came looking for them, and they were not in the there God intended them to be. And God said, where are you? And Adam said, we're here. But God said, you're supposed to be there. And sometimes in life, we can lose our there. We cannot fully get to there. I'm going to invite you to discover your there moment. With that in mind, I want to speak this weekend on the subject, get up again. I'm going to close this again series up with this, get up again. Believe again, try again, get up again. Some of us have, have laid our dreams aside. Some of us are just discouraged. Some of us are despondent. Some of us, through the fatigue and, uh, and life and disappointments, you've just kind of settled into a place God didn't intend you to be. I'm here to invite you. I want it to be in your spirit. Get up again. As we look in Psalm 71, I believe this chapter will speak to us and I believe it's going to invite us to get up again. Let's begin reading chapter 71, verse 1 and 2. It says, In you, Lord, I take refuge. Let me never be put to shame. In your righteousness, rescue me and deliver me. Turn your ear to me and save me. He opens this psalm up with saying, You know what, God? I feel like I've been forgotten. I feel like I'm going through through trial and setback and conflict and issues. Life is not going the way I planned. He's registering his complaint to the Lord. God, get me out of this mess. Get me out of this fix that I'm in. He opens it up, but go down to verse number 20 and hear what he says. Though you have made me see troubles. How many of you have seen some troubles this year? Do you notice the word is in the plural, not trouble, not one thing. Troubles, plural. Some of you said, I can't stand anymore. Can it get any worse? He says, you have, you, have, you have made me to see troubles, many and bitter. You will restore my life again. Say it together with me. Again. You will restore my life again. From the depths of the earth, you will again bring me up. That's good news. You may have had troubles. You may have had some setback. You may feel like God rescued me from this. I want you to know God is saying to every one of us, get up again. Get up again. Dust yourself off. Shake off the dust of your feet. Move past the setback. Move past the hurt. Move on in life. Get up again. 
And there are four thoughts I want to share with you on how to rise above what's dragging you down. Is something dragging you down? Are you saying life is a drag right now? If something is dragging you down, I believe this chapter gives us four spiritual insights on how to rise above what's dragging us down. Number one, don't listen to negative voices. Don't listen to negative voices. In verse number 10 and 11 of this chapter, here's what the psalmist writes. He says, my enemies speak against me. Those who wait to uh, conspire against me, they have said, God has forsaken you. They want to pursue me and seize me. God, I need to be rescued. What was he doing? He was listening to all the chatter. He begins by saying, God, I feel like I'm, I, I've been forgotten by you. I feel like I'm, I need to be rescued. I feel like I'm downcast. I have many troubles. And God, I'm listening to everybody around me. The psalmist was checking his social media account. He was seeing all the posts and all the complaints. He was, he was checking. He was, he was reading all the messages. He was seeing the facial expression. He says, my enemies, they conspire against me. Here's the message. Don't listen to the negative voices. Don't listen to the negative voices. Do you know every place, every company, every business has an unofficial divorce committee in it. Yes. The employees that have gone through divorce and they deputize themselves to get together and complain about ex-spouses. And if you join the divorce committee and you get in their conversations and you go to lunch with them, you're going to hear how bad all the ex-wives are or ex-husbands are. You're going to hear about all the complaints and you say, you know what, I think I'm pretty good. And then all of a sudden, in a month or two, you're saying, you know what, that rascal I'm married to bothers me too. And they'll jump on. There's a divorce committee. They, 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 they're deputized to complain about marriage. And then in every business, there is the gossip game, gang and there is the gripe group. You know what I'm talking about. They get around and they gripe about everything. No, nothing is right. The chair they have to sit in isn't right. The parking spots at the workplace aren't right. You don't have enough of this. You don't have enough of that. They ask you too much. And then all of a sudden, there's another group in every workplace, and I'll call them the wine collection. <laughs> they get together and they whine. And, and you, can tell the, you can tell the wine collection, they talk in that nasally tone. You know, it's just not right. It's just not right. I, I don't like this. It shouldn't be this way. And their favorite word, the, the, the gripe group and the wine collection, their favorite word is but. No matter what you say that's good, they'll say but. Yes. Oh, the, the, the beach is good, but there are just too many people. The restaurant food was good, but the wait was too long. The company benefits are good, but they expect too much of us. The church is good, but it's too long a drive. You know, it's the kind of person that when they leave the room, you need to fumigate. You know what I'm talking about? They just leave their attitude everywhere. They just leave their, their disposition everywhere. They can just hack into your heart. They can hack into your faith. They can, they can just point out every problem, every difficulty, every negative thing. And we have got to learn 
to not listen to negative voices. And this is exactly what the psalmist is saying. I've been listening to those who conspire against me. They're plotting. They're discouraging me. And now when they call, I'm just going to hang up. (laughs) I'm not going to listen to it anymore. And I encourage you, don't listen to negative voices. Number two, you want to rise above what's pulling you down? Increase your praise. Increase your praise. Yes, in verse 14, he says, but as for me, I want you to notice this. I will praise you more and more. Did you ever notice that phrase? He was praising, but he said, you know what? My praise doesn't match my complaints. My praise doesn't match my negative attitude. My praise doesn't match my problems. So what do I need to do? I need to increase my praise. I will praise you more and more. So how many problems you have? Can I tell you what? You need a praise that extends beyond that. Your praise needs to be bigger than your problems. Increase your praise. It's interesting to me that as you read chapter 71, he opens up and he tells about his problems and Many are the troubles, and they're bitter, and they're hard, and people conspired. He goes on. It, it takes him to verse number 14 to just get up and start praising God. And some of us are caught between verse 1 and verse 13 right now. You're still stuck in looking at the problems. Well, you know, my back hurts. And, and, and the drive, and there's potholes, and... And you know what? School is not going right. And my kids, and my kids are on my nerves. And, and this is happening, and that's happening. Increase your praise. Don't get stuck in verse 1 through 13. Jump down to verse number 14 and say and declare, I'm going to praise you more. There's a reason we start our services with praise. If you can get in the presence of God, and you can start talking to heaven, and let God whisper something in your spirit. There is something that comes alive inside of you. Let me just tell you, pessimism is allergic to praise. Pessimism is allergic to praise. The moment you start praising, the moment you start worshiping God, do you know what? The potholes don't bother you as much. Your brother-in-law doesn't bother you as much. The parking spot doesn't bother you as much. Yeah, I will tell you, from time to time, somebody will email, email me. Pastor, I was leaving church and this happened. They just didn't spend enough time in praise that day. I tell you, if you can lose it between here and the parking lot, your praise was not big enough. Can I get an amen out of that? My praise needs to be bigger than COVID. It needs to be bigger than the the quarantine. It needs to be bigger than life. My praise needs to be bigger than the circumstances around me. Pessimism is allergic to praise. We often say that prayer changes things. Yes, praise changes me. Praise changes me. Yes, it just kind of washes the dust and the grime and the Issues and the vicissitudes of life just kind of set aside. And there's just something, it sets my heart correctly on God. Increase your praise. You want to rise above things that are pulling you down? Number three, you have to change your focus. Change your focus. Verse 15, I love verse 15. It's right after praise. When you praise him, guess what happened? If you'll have a verse 14 and say, I'm going to praise him more and more, you'll find yourself at verse number 15. It says, my mouth will tell of your righteous deeds. 
of your saving acts all day long from the time the alarm clock goes off until you go to bed at night. All day long. Though I know not how to relate to them. What's he saying? He said, I begin to praise God. And then guess what happened? My, my focus changes. I, 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 my mouth just begins to no longer complain. It tells of your righteous deeds. And all day long, I tell of them, I count them. Instead of looking at how your coworker treated you, how things went in the home this past week, your disappointments in the economy, your frustration during this year, this season, began to change your focus. You see, focus creates perspective. Now, some of us, our, pers- our perspective, our way of looking at things is incorrect. We have a self-focus. We measure everything. We measure whether God's in heaven and his blessings on how comfortable we are. You know, the line was long. God, that's not fair to me. We, it's, it's a self-focus. Some of us, it's a hurt focus, a grievance focus. There are dates in your life that are, are etched in your mind, and they're not birthdays and anniversaries. It's, it's, it's when this went wrong. Uh, I, I was fired here. I was divorced here. Uh, this happened. Uh, it was foreclosed on here. I, I got the letter of rejection here. I didn't get my promotion here. I got the news of that. And we have these days, these grievances. And these grievances, we, we hold on to them, and they begin to shape our focus, shapes our perspective, and our perspective creates our priority. If you want to change your priority, change your perspective. If you want to change your perspective, change your focus. For those of you that have been to the Holy Land with us, you'll, you'll recount what I'm about to share with you. And for the rest of you, let me explain. In the Holy Land, in Israel, there are archaeological excavations going on all the time. Nearly every time we go, we will visit some brand new archaeological sites. And you can see as they begin to uh, peel away the levels of soil and the the foundation and the walls of the ancient house, ruins, temple, synagogue began to appear. And you can step in. And most homes during that time were, were not homes. They didn't have garages and they didn't have kitchens and, and pantries. They typically was a one-room house. And you can see the footing, often the door, part of the wall is still there after they excavate and you can see the dwelling. Now, what's interesting that archaeological discoveries have determined is that most of the time in the ancient world, in biblical times, they would build their house with the door facing north. Why north? Uh, Archaeologists were troubled by that. It doesn't make sense. Why would the door face north? It should point either east or west. Why? Because they didn't have electricity and the door east or west would allow more sunlight into the house. The winds in Israel are typically east to west or west to east. Uh, The Bible frequently talks about the east wind blowing. Yes. It would actually make the house cooler if the door was to the east or the west. The practical thing to do when building a house is to put the door either east or west. You get more breeze, you get more light, but Frequently, they discovered the doors were always placed to the north. So that began to 
bring a curious investigation by archaeologists, and here's what they discovered. They realized in the culture of that time, the ancients believed God lived in the north. Psalm 48, it's Mount Zion on the side of the north, the city of our great king. They believed that God lived in the north. In other words, when they built their house, they didn't position the door for their own comfort. They positioned the door to say, our focus is going to be, our house will be orientated towards God. It's, it's, it's exactly what it says in the book of Joshua. As for me and my house, we're going we're gonna to honor and serve the Lord. And I ask you, is your focus, is your door, is your home, is your life orientated to God? When something comes, can you see God in it? When something good occurs, do you worship him? When something happens, do you see God's hand at work? The Bible says if you will praise him, then you will tell of his deeds all day long. If you can't see God working in your life, you have the door facing a different direction. Orientate, change your focus, put your eyes upon the Lord and see what God is doing in your life. Change your focus. The Bible says, I will tell of, I will tell of. In the Hebrew, that, that actually means I will, I will list, I will make account. I will actually list the things I will tell of. Do you have a list of the blessings of the Lord? I trust you do. You know, I, 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 I'm sure you're like me. I have a list of things I don't like about the government or, or about the, the traffic in northwest San Antonio. I, I have a list. Tell me, what do you not like about something? I can give you a list. I ask you, do we have a list? Change your focus. Do you have a list of the blessings of the Lord? You need a list. My wife, Denise, she's always been the grocery shopper in our house. Everything we need, Denise goes to the grocery store. And I, I've got honest confession. I have mildly complained in the past. When Denise has gone to the grocery store and she's bringing the groceries in and I'm helping her bring in and we're unloading, I say, did you get that? I'm she, oh, I forgot. Denise, how could you forget? I mean, why did you get milk and bread and stuff for the grandkids? I told you we needed ice cream. Ice cream was the only reason to go. I just forgot. And I, I'll be honest with you. I mildly complain until this season I've been going to the store some. And I've gone to the grocery store, and I don't know where anything, I go down the jungle of those aisles, okay? And I can't find, and, and I'm looking and looking and looking, and I'll come back home, and i say, here it is. And she'll say, did you get, oh, 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 babe. They were out. They were out today. <laughs> There's nowhere in said, no, I forgot. She said, you didn't get my polygrip. I said, baby, I'm sorry. I, I, I'll, just, I'll, I'll go down to CVS or somewhere else and get it for you. I'm sorry. I have forgot it. Every one of us need a list. You have forgot something good God has done for you. God's touched your kids. God saved you. God gave you a job. God helped you through college. God gave you a promotion. God was faithful. God blessed you. God strengthened you. God gave you hope in the night. God's done something for you. You need to tell you need to tell of the goodness of the Lord. Can I tell you? Every week, one of my list is tithing. Every week when I, and I give mine by text the gifts, 
It's really easy. I real, I just, and there it goes. But every time I send in my tithe, it reminds me of God's faithfulness. Tithe is a weekly reminder of the goodness of God. And every time I send, Lord, you've been good. Lord, Lord, you've been, you've been faithful. In the Old Testament, there are different compound names of God. Jehovah Jireh, Jehovah Rophi, Jehovah Shalom. My favorite name of God is Jehovah in the nick of time. <laughs> yeah. You know, God's just come through in the nick of time so many so many times, just in the nick of time. I, you know, God is not going to work out. God is not going to happen. God is going to, and then God comes through. I call him Jehovah in the nick of time. God's always there, and God's always faithful. Several years ago, early years of ministry, before we had kids, I was going through the steps of becoming an ordained minister. You, you get your certification, you get your license. If you do everything, take all the courses, take the exams, you follow through all the interviews, you come to the final, the final stage in your ministerial credentialing called being an ordained minister. And I, was, I had gone all the way through, and I was going, Denise and I were going to go to the ordination ceremony. This is where I, with all the other candidates, will show up. You put on your best. It'll be that day they'll hand you a Bible, and you'll hear the superintendent say, preach the word. You get that Bible. You have your ordination certificate. Still have it hanging in my office, and you walk across the platform. There's such a, a moment there that it, you, you, you really feel like it's just not a graduation. It, it, it's, a, it's a coordination. It's an affirmation of the call of God. Yes. And during that time, we were, just Denise and I, we were, we were broke. <laughs> I'll just tell y'all, we were so poor. Yeah, we were so poor, we would go, we would go to weddings to just pick up the rice so we'd have something to eat next week. I mean, we were poor. We were so poor, Denise used my shoelaces to floss her teeth at night. I mean, we were poor. I mean, it was, it was a tough time, tough time. And I'll tell you, I was... <laughs> Going to my ordination ceremony. And that lady over there had given up so much. She had given up so much to support me, stood by me, helped me through Bible school, provided for us. And I prayed, Oh God, I want Denise. I want Denise to have a new outfit. We couldn't afford it. Couldn't afford it. I don't care how I went. I, I wear an old suit. Didn't matter to me. But I, I wanted Denise to go to my ordination service with a brand new outfit, and we couldn't afford it. Right before my ordination service, a dear lady in the church, she's in heaven now, Eva. She called Denise up and said, I need to pick you up. Talking about God, God's saving acts, what God does. God's good. Make a list of it. She took Denise to a, a clothing store. We could never buy clothes in a place like that. We could have never afforded it. 
And she bought Denise the most expensive outfit she had ever had, the nicest outfit. You remember it, sweetheart? That, that peach-colored outfit. I still see it in my mind. I still remember when we were being ordained, and I remember, and I can see it so clearly, the tears that stained the front of that pink-colored outfit. But my wife showed up in a brand-new outfit. What am I saying? God will take care of your needs, and let me tell you something else. He'll even give you a few of your wants. He's faithful. He's faithful. I can tell of the faithfulness of God. The faithfulness of God. He never stopped. God's always there. You can rely on God. You can trust him. He said, I will tell. I will tell of his saving acts. Verse 15. God's saving acts. God's ability to step in. God's ability to do something. God's ability to change. When, when no one else can help you, the doctor says it can't happen. The doctor says it's it's beyond hope. When it, when it looks and feels so difficult and impossible, God sits in with his saving acts. Westover, we support ministries such as Convoy, One Day to Feed the World. We're feeding 1,100 children every day because you give. And we feed and we support children in third world countries to help them get an education and help give them a life. And one such organization we support that we're very active and support thousands of dollars a year for them. And in Indonesia, there was a school and I have, I have visited some of these sites and we've actually built some of these schools. We've actually built kitchens and playgrounds and built some of these schools. A school in Indonesia with over 100 little children, little kids that that's their meal ticket today and that's their education and pathway into a better life. And the director of the school there, going about his business one day, heard something in his heart. Does God ever just speak to you here? Not, not here, I'm, I'm talking about here. And he heard one thing. Follow the cows. Follow the cows. What does that mean? It made no sense to him. But he said, I, I, I felt this impression we were to just follow the cows. But it made no sense. A few days later, he's at the school. You can hear the sound of children playing and giggling as you normally do in the schoolyard. And then all of a sudden, the director looks down the dirt road. And there's a line of cows that are walking. They're not being led. They're not being herded. They're just of their own volition walking down the dirt road and going up the mountain. He said, I don't know what this means. I've never seen this before, but I heard a few days ago where to follow the cows. He went over and got all the kids in all the rooms. Come on, kids, come on. So over 100 children. He said, we're going to follow the cows. The cows went up the road and then turned, went up the mountain, all the way to the mountain. Unbeknownst to him, unbeknownst to him, out in the Pacific Ocean, there was a, a tsunami, a massive tsunami. You read about it just a few years ago. It came in, and on the coastline, it decimated villages, 
and washed people out to sea and thousands of people drowned. But because one day God spoke, follow the cows, I want you to know all of those hundred plus children in that school were saved. And when the tsunami came in, they were safely on top of the mountain out of harm's way. What am I telling you? It says tell of his saving acts. It says tell of God's saving. How has God stepped in your life? What would we be now? Some of us without God would be divorced. Some of us without God would be addicted. Some of us without God, our lives would be erect. Our home, our families would be erect. But God has stepped in with his saving acts. Saving acts. Change your focus. Put your eyes upon the Lord. And fourth and last, how to rise above things that are pulling you down. Remember, God is incomparable. God is incomparable. Isn't that good news? It says in verse number 19, Lord, your righteousness reaches to the heavens. Oh, yes. You have done great things. And then he concludes verse 19 by saying, Who is like God? He starts the chapter by saying, God, where are you? I'm surrounded by foes and problems, and my problems are many and bitter. He changes his focus, and he increases his praise. He stops listening to negative voices, and he ends the chapter by saying, God, you are incomparable. You never let me down. You never disappoint And I'm here to affirm, get up again. God won't let you down. Somebody told you you had stage four cancer. Get up and say, I have stage four faith, and I'm going to trust God that will never let me go. Stand firm on God's promises. God's incomparable. We sang just a moment ago, he can do what no one else can do. He's incomparable. He fights every battle. He wins every war. God is faithful in your life and your behalf and he will put a covering of favor and protection around you and your family. God is incomparable. There is none like him. Stick with him. And I'm going to invite you to stand together with me as we close this moment in prayer. Online church, join me. Join me right now and declare that God is incomparable. There's none like him. And just begin to say, God, I need you. God, I look to you. God, you're the only one. God, you're the one that can make a difference. If you've never made a faith commitment to Jesus, you can do that now. You can do that. You can say, Jesus, come into my heart. Jesus, I'm convinced you're faithful. Jesus, I'm going to turn my whole life over to you because God will never fail you. Let's pray. Father, I bring these precious, dear people to you, those in this room and those on the online church. And we can say, as as the psalmist said, many have been our trouble. And we feel like, God, at times we need to be rescued and saved. But we're reminded today we can get up. We can be reminded today you're incomparable. God, you're faithful. God, you're not going to leave that family that needs that healing touch from you. You're, you're, you're not going to leave them abandoned. They're in, they're in the no man's land. They're, they're in a wasteland of confusion. They've cried out and prayed. Because their answer hasn't come doesn't mean it's not on the way.
they're caught in verse number one, two, three, and four. They're, they're going to go all the way down to a verse number 19. And before it's over, they're going to say, God, you came through. You're incomparable. The young adult, the young adult who feels like they're facing a headwind of opposition. All their dreams for college and career paths seem to have just been shaken. And they feel disillusioned right now. God, that you will hold firm on to them during this time and let this season be the time and they settle it in their heart and mind that God is incomparable. There's none like him. I pray for confidence for families. They're going through a time and they've watched and see their, their kids growing up and they're in the adolescent. That's a troubling time. And it's, it's taxing them emotionally and spiritually. And they don't know what to do. They, they don't want to drive their son or daughter away, but they're struggling with how to set boundaries and negotiate this season. I pray, God, give these parents divine wisdom that you will just walk with them and help them navigate these next few years. Oh, God, let them know you're faithful and you, they can entrust their family to you. I pray blessing. I pray favor. I pray health. I pray prosperity on business and jobs. I pray for the online church, God. Some, some were, were so tired and some are so sick they can't even come to church right now. I pray, God, extend out there and let a healing touch be with them right now. In the name of Jesus. In the name of the Lord.